Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin. And welcome to this week's Resistance Recap, where we're talking all about the latest episode of Resistance, Sonara's Score. Um, it was directed by Bosco Ng and written by Gavin Hignite. Hignite. Hignite? <laughs> We literally can't go a directed and written by segment without mispronouncing someone's oh name, which isn't, that's not even a hard name to say. What's, what's funny, too, is that Charlotte like wrote in the pronunciation for Bosco's name for me in our show notes, but I messed up the next one. All right. Note to self, I'll write in pronunciation for every single name, even if it's like Joe. <laughs> the pronunciation will just be Joe. <laughs> Like a piece of like a, a coffee emoji. Maybe <laughs> maybe you need to just do the the direction sure, right. written by. Next oh, time. Gosh. Next time. Okay, but Bosco and Gavin, they did a great yes. job on this week's episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a great one, and I'm really excited to dive in. Um, But before we do, I wanted to say that next week, due to the Thanksgiving holiday, we're not going to do a Resistance episode, and we'll catch up the the following week with like a double Resistance episode. I'm going away, and we'll have no access to a microphone, so I'm sorry about that. It's like stresses me out inside (laughs) to miss a week, but it's okay. (laughs) Charles going to be in Hawaii. I think she'll be all right. (laughs) But if you want, you can you can add her. I'm sure about- it's going to be like an amazing episode and I'm going to be like crying inside that I can't discuss it slash watch it. I don't yeah. even know if I'm going to be able to watch it. Yeah. I just like – I envision you and like your family just like chilling in the hotel and you're like, sorry, can't go to the beach. Can't like go parasailing or have my ties with the luau. Got to catch up on Kaz and his latest antics. <laughs> Give me 22 minutes and then I'll be ready to go. <laughs> 22 minutes. I'll be done with you in uh, 22 and a half minutes. <laughs> Precisely. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you are getting to go to Hawaii next week, and I actually just got back from San Francisco this morning. <laughs> I got back in this morning at 6.30 to Atlanta, so I'm, I'm a little tired, uh, but I got to go to Lucasfilm, and it was amazing. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about it in our main show that's coming up this week, so be on the lookout for that because uh, it was really great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to hear about it in detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It was, it was really great. <laughs> <laughs> so jealous it's fine but also really happy for you i was like the it was the best day ever when you got to go and i was like waiting and actually following you on find friends on my, oh my god <laughs> like oh my god she's still there <laughs> charlotte so charlotte is super obsessed with find my friends on iphones and i think when i was with you in boston i like finally turned it on for you to like follow me <laughs> to make sure i was like going the right direction which isn't necessary. Um, <laughs> but I get like texts from her throughout the day that were like, you're going the wrong way. Why would you go that way to this place? You should go this way. <laughs> like, <laughs> watching her track me. And then when I was in Lucasfilm, all of your texts were like, you're so deep within the building. <laughs> what are you seeing? <laughs> I can't funny. help it. I just love that app so much. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, in part one of this episode, we are going to discuss our highs and lows of Sonara's score. And in part two, we're going to be talking all about the story. And in part three, we're going to be talking all about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? 
All right, welcome to part one, where as per usual, we're talking about our highs and lows. Charlotte, why don't you go first with your first high? I can't believe Resistance passed the Bechdel test so fast. It's great. Love two female characters talking and like starting a friendship and sharing their life experiences. It was just a really great moment. And that's my high. And I feel like I was like soaring when I saw that. Mm -hmm. You were soaring like soaring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Deep cut Disney World reference. (laughs) Not that deep cut. Not that deep cut. It's a Disney World reference. You were soaring like in soaring. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that was one of my highs too was Sonara and Tam. Uh, It was just such like a nice development of their relationship in this episode. I was just like grinning ear to ear like when Tam was like, gotta go help Sonara. And Kaz was like, you do that? And she was like, I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just so nice. And Sonara was like, wait, you came back for me? Like, oh, man. I know. I know. It went went to places that I didn't expect. And because of that, Resistance is like so good, guys. It really, every episode surprises me with the level of depth and like the intrigue of the characters that it goes to. Mm -hmm. And it's developing fast, which is just really great. And Yeah, I think Sonara and Tam is like such a good example of the where these character relationships are going to go and how surprising it can be. I think you would have expected. I think like in a in a different kind of show, you would have expected Tam to like go and try to help Sonara, and then Sonara would have been like, "Jokes on you!" and like left with the pirates. And Tam would have been like, "Oh crap! Like I thought I could trust this person, but instead, it's like their friendship actually means something." Which is great. Yes. Like, yes. It's, you're like, oh, I can't believe that that's a plot twist, but it is. <laughs> um, so, my second high, since that was, that was one of yours, right? Sonara and Tam. Mm-hmm, yeah. My second high was seeing Kaz progress and understand that he needs to like realign that thing. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it was, I was on the edge of my seat when I was watching this because, as you guys know, if you've been listening to our Resistance recaps, I've been pretty frustrated that Kaz like hasn't really like done a good job in terms of fixing anything um, as a mechanic, and I was just really excited that like potentially in this instance he knew what to do, um, whether or not he was going to complete. I know it's it's like laughable, but I really was like really happy about it because I feel like the knowledge that he had. Like the fact that he knew what to do meant so much to me because I didn't really care if he was able to do it, but I felt like he, it was a tremendous learning moment for him and he didn't necessarily complete the entire task. Um, Like some fate got in the way with Yeager, but I do think that it's a step forward for him learning how to be a mechanic and like steeping himself in that world. Yeah, I totally agree. Kaz's hero moment was my other high as well. I feel like he and I usually have some of the same highs and lows. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, like, whole sequence where he was, like, creative enough to, like, use the staff to start to realign the cannon. I don't know. I just – I really liked seeing him be really proactive throughout that battle, which we've seen, like, instances of that before, um, particularly with the children from Tehar. But this – I don't know. I really liked seeing the, like, physical action of him, like, doing something mechanical and having it work and, and, like you said, like, knowing what to do. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that. And more than that, I really liked this battle. It kind of struck me. I was like, this is one of the – not one of the few times, but I don't know. I, I like the fact that I don't have, like, a force person here to, like, rely on to, like, go and, like, 
just like shove the thing in with the force. You know what I mean? It was cool yeah. like getting to see these characters like be really proactive and physical about how they're going to protect the base um, without having any kind of assurance or reliance on someone who has force capabilities. Um, it was very much like in Rogue One, but I don't know. I really like seeing it here in animation. It's so funny that you mentioned that because in that moment where like all hope seemed lost that he wasn't going to be able to re- realign it, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking – I was – the thought definitely crossed my mind where I was like, wow, this would be a good – a perfect use of the Force. Um, yeah. And I wonder if they're going to go down that route. I'm so glad that they didn't, but um, – I definitely thought about that being like, wow, this would have been so much easier had any of these characters been able to use the force. Yeah, it was like that moment, like right when the pirates attacked. I don't know. It just seemed like so it seemed like something straight out of Clone Wars, like that whole sequence. And it was like, I don't know, you could just envision that like that, like if Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan were there, that's where they like all whip out their lightsabers and like go in different directions as they're like Mm -hmm. yelling to each other what to do. And like one of them like jumps on the speeder with the pirates and just like, you know, force pushes him away. And like you can just see how it would have played out if characters like the Jedi had been in that scene. But here Mm -hmm. they have no one to rely on except their own wits and their own strength. Um, And I don't know. It was like – I know that there aren't Force users, you know, yet or, or in Resistance, but this is the first time that it really hit me and I, like, appreciated that, uh, like, point of view in this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So did you have any lows for this episode? I have no lows. And maybe I'll have a low as I usually do when I say I have no lows when you talk <laughs> through yours, but I don't really have a low. thought it was a solid episode filled with action and character intrigue Mm -hmm. and I wasn't bored at all and I could follow exactly what was going on yeah uh Milo is like a bit nitpicky and um unimportant but it bothered me just a little bit that Doza like sent all the aces away before the cannons were back online I was like it's timing man like why don't you wait for the cannons to be back online and then send the aces away I don't know that kind of bothered me because then he's just like yelling at Jaeger because um, for the at the beginning of the episode, I thought that the aces had already left, um, and that's why Doza was so you know three hours, three hours that has to be done. But then they you find out later that they weren't gone yet; um, they were still there. So I don't know. That kind of bothered me. I think that's a good point, but I also think that maybe we're going to find out why all the aces had to go away. Um, yeah, it seemed like a right. pretty big plot point. It seemed like a pretty big thing to send all of the aces away. And it, it was clear that Doza was nervous about that. So when they come back with whatever they come back with, I think that we'll learn just why they all had to go. And it'll bring some like levity to that decision. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, but for the purposes of this individual episode, I don't know. That was whatever. Also, we still haven't really spent too much time with the other aces. I know. And that's why I think that maybe I was trying to think my way through exactly what you just said about like, I don't really understand why they all left. Maybe they're going to do an episode just on the aces and like the fact that they're gone. Yeah. That could be interesting. I don't know. I honestly don't see that in the episode docket, but (laughs) I still think (laughs) that like potentially that could be a route that they go down, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think we've even met the um, what's the, the other woman? Ace. I forget her name. She's she has um, almost like a Russian accent, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we. Th- I think she's had like two lines so far. 
Yeah, we definitely need more. And yeah. I think we'll get more. It's a yeah. racing show. But it is. But on the other side of things, I'm like, oh, I've like really loved these like Kaz-centric episodes. So Me too. I complain, but I don't complain because it's Star Wars and I I don't bite the hand that feeds me. <laughs> <laughs> amen. 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 <laughs> All right. So are we ready for part two? Yes. Okay, so welcome to part two, and we always lead with this question, and this time it is, what is the state of the First Order? I like how this question has morphed from Rebels, where it was always, what's the state of the Rebellion? And we totally started off Resistance with what's the state of the Resistance, but it's become more about what's the state of the First Order, which I don't think I was really expecting, honestly, when we came into this episode or into this series because it's called Resistance. But I feel like we get so much more intrigued with the First Order, honestly, um, or at least more intrigued more frequently, I guess, just mm-hmm. because of their relationship with Doza. Uh, but I feel like our Doza theory was spot on uh, about Doza. I- no, I was so excited. Right? When it was playing out, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I said. Doza mm. would be desperate enough. He'd see yeah. the fact that Sonara was like basically letting the pirates come in from the inside. I was like, uh, man, I, I'm, I feel so good right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I also was like kind of upset to see that play out in a way <laughs> because I didn't want Doza to call the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, but I mean... Yeah, it, it's always good when your theory plays out. Um, but for yeah, sure. that, that Doza, like the the best thing that Doza can do for the Colossus is have the First Order around, which is mm-hmm. not the place he wants to be. But after what happened, you know, in this episode, it's like he feels like that's the only choice he has, um, which is, is something that comes up a lot with kind of our morally gray characters of them doing something less than uh, – ideal uh because they feel like they don't have another choice and we see that really laid out with doza here i thought the i thought the episode did a good job of tracking doza's um like panic throughout Mm -hmm. the episode and like his stress level it was really clear um how stressed he was and i think that uh conversation he had with jaeger where he kind of um shows just how much the Colossus means to him. You know, like, he was like, there's no way, like, we can't leave the Colossus unprotected. Like, I can't do that. Like, you need one hour. It has to be one hour. Um, I don't know. I really like that because we've talked a lot about how, like, for for Doza, the Colossus comes first over, like, Separatist or over Separatist, over, like, Resistance or First Order. Like, for him, it's just about the Colossus. It's not really about these bigger politics um, that we know of yet anyway. But I think this episode really, like, honed in on that, that, yeah, for him, protecting the Colossus comes first, even if that means having to make a deal with the First Order. I thought it was really fascinating how you could see this riff almost building, at least I could, in the back of my mind, between Doza and Yeager, because Yeager wasn't necessarily delivering what Doza needed. And Yeager seems pretty surprised at the end when Doza is like panicked and he's like, the pirate structures are changing. They're better prepared, better equipped. They seem to have more resources. And I don't know how. The truth is, even with our barriers, barriers fully operational, we're barely hanging on. And the fact is, is that the fact that Yeager's team couldn't deliver the cannon to be operational in this time period when they were gone is the reason why he would be so panicked to call the First Order. And I sense that Yeager's or Doza's reliance on Yeager is going to be diminished, which then makes me wonder what the state of Team Fireball is going to be. And if 
like this riff will actually come into play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's interesting the way you worded that because Yeager doesn't what's straight we'll talk about this a little bit more in character section, but at the end of the episode when Kaz was like, Oh, I guess there's like, oh, maybe I'm not the only spy here. And Yeager mm-hmm. is very pointedly like, you were never the only spy here, which kind of made me think that Yeager was probably a spy at one point himself. Um, yeah. And so – but then to have these conversations with, Do- with Doza where he seems very much out of the loop about what's going mm-hmm. on, like he he like understands and picks up that Doza is stressed, but he doesn't like take that stress in himself. He's like, oh, all right. like, And he even tells Doza, you know, like – to put that up in an hour is unreasonable. Like that's just not – there's no way we can do that. It's not that like Yeager was ignoring Doza or not working on it, but it was an unrealistic expectation from Doza. But Yeager at the end was like, all right, like we'll get it up for you. Don't worry. Like I promise. But Yeager doesn't seem at all stressed the way that Doza is stressed. Um, like they're mm-hmm. not on the same page. And it's interesting because if Yeager was – some sort of spy or he is kind of in this inner circle with Doza. Um, Like there are things that are being kept from him. So I wonder if the rift could come in from there as well. But yeah, I think it's interesting um, what you said about how uh, Yeager and the fireball team couldn't deliver and that kind of pushed Doza to calling the first order. Um, But at the same time, Doza's real expectations were a bit unrealistic um, Mm -hmm. and it didn't seem like he was really keying Yeager in to perhaps everything that Yeager needed to know. I mean, what's crazy is that the First Order is the one that's providing the pirates with the equipment necessary to explode the Colossus. And now there comes a reliance on the First Order from the Colossus. And it's kind of this like circle of all bad (laughs) because I don't know. I feel like that we're really turning into potentially the Colossus like not existing in the state that it is any now anymore. And I think that we've all talked about how it's so wonderful to see this space station and this um, like location in Star Wars that's like all fun- fully functioning and like totally fleshed out and its own thing. But I do think we're about to see it change with the onset of the First Order coming, especially because Commander Pyre is coming directly there to show off um, his First Order like prowess, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I really do think that in the beginning episodes, we were supposed to think about how awesome and great and interesting the Colossus was um, as, you know, it's fully functioning system when now we're really going to see the changes that are about to happen to it. Oh, yeah. I definitely think it's going to be an, uh, like a sequence of, okay, they're here. It's not a big deal. And then like slowly but surely – it becomes a big deal until eventually there's got to be like a liberation. There's like a resistance, like a mini resistance on the Colossus to Mm -hmm. like get the first order off the Colossus. And I bet Doza will be a part of that too. uh, Once he realizes that like things have gone too far and like he like welcomed the first order onto the Colossus. And like once the first order starts messing with the Colossus itself, Mm -hmm. that's when I think Doza will flip. Yeah. Not like flip out, but like – like I, I bet like Doza doesn't really care what exactly the First Order is doing. Like he'd rather just ignore it than have to confront it. Um, but as mm-hmm. long as like it's not affecting the the day-to-day on the Colossus, he's like whatever. If you're providing the protection, like what you do on your own time is your business. Um, but once those two worlds start like affecting one another, the Colossus and the First Order, then I think Doza will have a change of heart. And then I bet, you know, Kaz and Tora and Tam and all them will be involved at that point as well. 
Something that's kind of emerged as a feeling that I get when I watch Resistance is how often, and you just said this, how often the characters are morally gray. Whether they're morally gray or as an audience you don't know all of their motivations, it's really fascinating to go into a show and really not understand the archetypes that they're presenting and not really know what their next moves are and whether or not we should fully trust them. At this point, the only person that I really fully trust is um, Kaz. Mm -hmm. Others I am a little dubious of and to varying degrees, like I think I'd probably trust Tam over, I don't know, Doza, right? Niku? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But I think that that it is really fascinating that the show continues to provide us with these themes that make us question where these characters and these plot points are going to go. Like I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's not something we've really had yet in Star Wars um, mm-hmm. because we've known – like original trilogy, it's very clear who's good and who's bad. And in the prequel tri- trilogy, if you weren't clued in on who Palpatine was, like Sidious, then it becomes very clear <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> um, and you know that he's this big bad. And Rebels, of course, we're still dealing with the Empire – the sequel trilogy is pretty much the same. Like you obviously get a flip in expectations of Kylo Ren, but I think given like his family lineage, you could kind of expect that. Whereas with Resistance, this really is the first time that you're right. Like we're going in and you don't know who to trust. And because we're in such this like weird limbo in the timeline of like the development of the Resistance and the First Order together, we're on a planet we're not familiar with. It's not really even a planet. <laughs> it's like a cruise ship, um, like a military <laughs> cruise ship. It's really interesting and to like put all of these characters in this kind of confined space and see how these like outside forces are kind of um, affecting our opinion of them. You're right. It's really fascinating and it's it's pretty brand new for Star Wars to have so many characters all at once that we're both learning about and becoming more invested in while also still being highly suspicious of. For sure. I want to amend that I also trust BB-8. <laughs> True. True. My God, could you imagine? Uh, no, yeah. I actually can't. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that's like the one crack theory that can never have wings. No, absolutely not. All right, are you ready to talk about characters? Yes. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three where we're talking about characters, our favorite section. Um, so this episode is called Sonara's Score. So let's take a second to chat about Sonara. Uh, all right, so when we last met Sonara, we had a lot of different ideas on where her character could go. Um, she either could like stay bad or she's like kind of in the middle or she could turn completely good. Where do we think she is right now? <laughs> well, I still think that applies. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Has the dial turned at all? I mean, yes, because I had a lot of thoughts. The last episode, I was like, I think she's bad. I don't really see them doing that much with their character, and I was completely wrong, and I should say that. I had a lot of thoughts about Sonara watching this episode, and I don't know if anyone else saw this similarity, but I just kind of want to talk through this, (laughs) if it's okay. (laughs) Go. I think it's really fascinating that in the beginning of this episode, Kaz refers to Sonara as a scavenger. Um, Obviously, that brings up a lot of emotions and thoughts. And (laughs) 
So Sonara is tough. She's aggressive. And Kaz is like slightly scared of her when they witness her attacking that one guy. Oh, my God. Um, A great moment. Yeah, so good. Um, She knows her stuff. I think there's a quote that says she really knows her tech, her electronics and chip parts. Kaz calls her a bit of a mystery. She's aligned with the pirates because I think she feels safe with the pirates. It seems like she has nowhere else to go. Um, she says, seems like we both want the same thing more than life has offered offered us. Um, she says that to Tam. And she's really shocked when Tam puts her life on the line to save her, perhaps unsure if she was even worthy of saving. In the end, she finds friends in an unlikely place and perhaps, it's kind of unclear, switches sides. I just want to argue that Sonara is the antithesis of Rey. I envision Sonara being what Ray would look like if she had kind of joined the side of Unkar Plutt and not kept that compassion and like separateness about her. I think it's like the moment of calling her a scavenger and then changing it to salvager, it really like brought up a lot of these thoughts in my brain. I think that if Ray had kind of stumbled into the wrong crowd, maybe she would look really similarly to Sonara. What do you mm. think? Yeah, I think you can't help but make that comparison when she calls herself a scavenger. Because um, Ray, Ray is our scavenger, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, there's this other girl who's also called a scavenger. One, I was really intrigued by the mention of like underwater scavenging, especially compared. Like you're right, it is like it's kind of like the antithesis of Ray. Like Ray's on a desert scavenging, and then we have mm-hmm. someone like Sonara who's now involved in like underwater scavenging. That I think is a really interesting comparison. But yeah, I think you're right. If Ray had fallen into a different way of life, she probably would look a lot like Sonara. But I think we see at the end of the episode that Sonara is kind of questioning her place um, and kind of questioning – like that's the thing. It'll be interesting to see how – because I think she'll continue to move towards the like Tam side <laughs> mm-hmm. of things and eventually leave the pirates. But she's going to be in this interesting place where <laughs> – Honestly, it's kind of like what Ray's going to have to talk to the resistance about about Kylo. Um, it's crazy. That, that guy she punched, she was like, "Sonara, what are you doing?" And and he she straight up knocks him out. And then the next time she talks to her boss, he's going to be like, "Why did you stay? Like, why did you not come with us? Why did you punch what's his face?" And Sonara's <laughs> going to have to explain it and they're going to I think they're going to start calling her out on where her loyalties are, um, which is a good thing, um, which, of course, will, it's not exactly the same situation, obviously, but that's that's going to be, like, a major plot point, I think, of episode nine with Ray and, like, why she left Kylo alive. It's more like she has now – okay, so say in the future she stays on the side with Tam and it's kind of clear that they have, a like, a friendship going and Sonara values that friendship. I think by the end mm-hmm. you can – you can watch that and think this is genuine. Yeah. If I could predict anything about Sonara's arc, I would say that she might come in handy later as almost a double agent between the pirates and the resistance or the pirates and the team fireball, mm-hmm. potentially to help protect the Colossus. I think it's really interesting, though, about how right now Sonara has the secret and also Ray has the secret and both of them are kind of unsure about what to do with that. Yeah. What's curious is at the end of the episode, she tells Tam to be well, which sounds kind of like a goodbye or like a warning. Um, It's very foreboding and ominous the way she says it. And Tam doesn't really pick up on it because she shouldn't. 
Mm-hmm. And so it is interesting. Like, I don't know if I think Sonara will ever, like, be for the Colossus. I think she'll be more for, like, Tam and Kaz because um, mm-hmm. I feel like Tam will kind of pull her more into their world um, as time goes on and it'll be more about that. And I think then if Sonara like thinks that those people that have like risked their life for her are put on the line by like the First Order or the pirates, then I like, like I can see her like acting out against the First Order. Like, okay, if we imagine this world where like the First Order um, has like taken over the Colossus and they're like staging this like mini resistance on the Colossus, right? And Sonara becomes a part of that with Cham and Kaz. And then you have like her pirate overlords are like, what the heck are you doing? Like we want the First Order to be in charge. Like they're giving us such and such for like whatever, whatever. And then Sonara's like, well, no, they're like hurting my friends and the overlord, the pirate overlord's like, what do you mean friends? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I can see something like that happening where for her it is more about the relationships rather than like the pirates or the first order or the colossus. Like she doesn't really yet, she doesn't really have strong loyalties there anymore. Like to the pirates, that will kind of be shaken as she grows mm-hmm. like genuine connections. First with Tam and then I venture probably with someone like Kaz too. Yeah, I wonder if um, Kaz can learn from her since she knows her stuff about electronics Ooh, and like yeah, ship parts I hope and so. everything. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah, I think that there's like a lot of potential with her character, which really surprised me because I, I just didn't see it in the last episode. And maybe mm-hmm. I was just kind of blind, but I this episode was like an awakening to me to understand her as a character. And I think that it's one of those things about Star Wars that like really just helps me really understand characters in the context of Star Wars, like when we can refer to other Star Wars characters in comparison um, and kind of talk through about how they're similar and how they're different. And um, I think it's definitely something to watch about Sonara's place in this story, especially in relationship to Rey. Um, yeah, maybe she'll reluctantly join the resistance, almost like Rey has to become a reluctant hero. I don't mm-hmm. know. Similar. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, I like how we're just trying to find like mentors for Kaz to like teach him things. Like, I just really want him to learn. <laughs> Who's gonna teach him? Is it Jaeger? Not really. Is it Tam? Not looking like it. Oh, it could be Sonara. um yeah but i know because we kind of speculated that like because we knew that this episode was called sonara's score so we knew that she would be a part of it um but then we kind of thought that maybe this would like be kind of the end of her like emphasis in the story um for season one of resistance but now i'm not so sure now i really hope that she is kind of a bigger player i mean i don't think we'll be seeing her as much as we did these past two episodes Um, But I do hope that she continues to, like, build these connections and stuff, even if it's just, like, one-off things where Tam is like, oh, I'm going to go talk to Sinar about this part. And then, like, Tam leaves the the scene or something like that. But we know that she's, like, with Sinar, like, talking to her and stuff like that, even if we don't see it. I kind of want Tam to have a friend. Um, It really kind of dawned on me this episode how much she's gone through in her story and how much yeah. she's given up. And I don't want her to be let down by Sonara. I want her to have a friend. It's like <laughs> it like kind of hurt me inside. I know. Yeah. It's kind of sad, right? Like I think I think she will. Who does um, Tam have? Yeah, I just don't know how much we'll see of Sonara going forward. That's why I, I hope that like we we hear about her even if we're not seeing her all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Just knowing that, like she's still she's still on the Colossus, 
And we'll see yeah. her again, just not as much as we have these past two episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm really pleased about Tam's um, place in this episode and what we got to learn about her and like the time that we spent with her. And um, in the beginning of the season, I was a little worried that we weren't spending that much time with her. Now I have no doubt that she's truly a main character mm-hmm. at play in Resistance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This Between this – like this episode and then the bit we got with hype about her background and stuff too um we have just been building a lot more with her character and it's it's been really nice to see too and it was great to see too how um immediately she connected with sanara and was like like literally willing to put her life on the line for her Mm -hmm. pretty immediately um it just shows what kind of person tam really is yeah it was good oh star wars is good Okay, so I have to ask, did you see I did you see Doza's bonsai tree in his office? I did because he sent me the snap, but I didn't see it originally. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I didn't see it. Um and I I do think it's so cool. You know, there was one shot and while we're on this topic that I thought was so good in resistance. It was when Doza was looking outside his giant window and there were these explosions going on. It, not explosions, smoke clouds billowing. Such a beautiful beautifully animated scene man i really i just on (laughs) on the topic of his office i think it's it's becoming a really good vantage point to understand like the grand scope of the colossus Mm -hmm. yeah it was yeah i really like dose's office um i can't help but always think i can't look at that pirate overlord and not think of pirates of the caribbean (laughs) (laughs) It's not great. <laughs> also, I got to say, I really liked the pirate who had, like, the modified Stormtrooper armor. Yes. Yeah, I so thought it cool. was so cool. Um, and then, like, when Tam, like, pushed him in the cart and he ran into a wall, I really laughed. But uh, I loved how he, like, modified the Stormtrooper armor for him. I thought it was really cool. I want to see that at Celebration. Yeah. Um, I want to oh, see someone cosplay yes. Or I just want to see a helmet that looks like that because I thought it looked super cool. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a really cool design. I was thinking in this episode a lot about how I really like the character designs, um, particularly with like our um, aliens or our non-humanoid species. And I think we're just getting to see a lot of variety here and a lot of new creatures and, and species as well. And I don't know. I'm just really enjoying it. Um, I particularly liked when Kaz and Tam went and visited the shop and <laughs> – just like toying. Oh my with god, Kaz. I love them! Like, I love them. They're so got five of those and a whole crate of kyber crystals. Yeah. And Kat's like the kyber oh my crystal god, mention. Great. He's like, so gullible. They're like you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I love funny. Them. Yeah, it's. I really think funny. that was probably the funniest part of the episode, and I hope that we get more. Of when when they mentioned that they needed a part, I was like, "Yay! I can't wait to see those two, right? two guys." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those guys. I think the funniest part it was kind of a tiny part, but I loved when right before they meet Sonara and Kaz and Tam were talking. Kaz is like, "I'll do it." Like if it's if it's about doing smooth talking and like being brave, like I'll do it. And then he like tiptoes around that body of that guy. <laughs> But Sonara knocked out. He, like, is picking up his feet and, like, tiptoeing through the limbs. That was really funny. <laughs> it's like you don't have to do that. You can just walk around. <laughs> just like, that was crazy. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that pirate captain because his name is Kragen. Like At least I Kraken? think it's Kragen. 
I no, think you're right. Well, actually, interesting that you say that, but I was going to say, I wonder, and this could be like a deep cut, actually not a reference at all. So in Law & Order SVU for like oh 20 God. years, the captain of the police station was Captain Cragen, and his name in Resistance is Captain Cragen as well. So I, I don't think it's a reference because I feel like that's like not the same at all, <laughs> but <laughs> if it was, that would be cool. Love Law & Order SVU. <laughs> Dun dun. <laughs> dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool if it was, uh, but I think of the Kraken. I like. Yeah, I think can't... that that's a much better uh, alignment because um, <laughs> one's a pirate and the other is a pirate. What's the thing you did? The, what was it last episode? You made this like really like deep philosophical reference, and I was like, no, like clearly you just think of like last shot. I think I can't remember what it was. Anyway, but that's, like, two for me on, like, a good obvious reference and zero for you or, like, deep cut <laughs> references. So deep cut. Wait so until they, cut. they publish that it was yeah, until a Law like, & Order reference. Hey, fun fact of the day. <laughs> then then you can, you can, like, have your moment and I'll say I was wrong. Um, well, I remember – oh, I remember – I think it was about CB23 – and I found out that CB actually stands for carry back, um, which makes sense. I know. Super cute. Yeah, that is super and cute. I remember last episode, I was wondering what that Easter egg was, and it's carry back. Oh, so that's a fun Easter egg. I'm for that. Yeah. Yeah, See, for sure. I, I, could, I could have a CP. CP is like chopper. Oh, my God. It is like chopper. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I miss You're chopper. more K2SO, though. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be okay being K2SO or Chopper, but yeah. I feel like they both match my personality a bit, but uh, I miss Chopper, man. I miss Me him. Too. I really Me love too. our BB-8 content like so much, but I want BB-8 and Chopper to be together. You know what? Now that you mention that, I have to say, I think Bucket was really cute in this episode. Every time we get like a glimpse of Bucket, I like him more. I really liked how him and Niku like hid in the closet. A heroic Bucket, moment. Yeah. And Bucket was like, yes, that was so heroic. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. We, we haven't gotten a lot of Bucket, actually. I think I'm pretty surprised at how little we've gotten of Bucket. Me too. He, he was like the quintessential droid for the series. But we've gotten so much. Like we've had more CB lines than we've had Bucket like lines. We've had two standout moments of Bucket off the top of my head. One, yeah. um, when he was like so sad and scared and like <laughs> Tam was super protective of him. Aww. And this one, I think. And I I don't really know his personality yet, but mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of I love him already. I love him I like too. His I, think he's, I love his look. I love how he wears his helmet. It's like a security blanket. Yeah. But yeah, we just we haven't gotten a lot of him yet, actually. I would have thought we would get like at least like more like bucket BB-8 interactions. I don't know. We'll, he'll, he'll be coming down True. the line. Um, and before we close off, I'll just say in regards to my Niku theory, um, be the irony of ironies for everyone at the start of this episode to be like, Niku can't keep quiet about anything. Like, be quiet, Niku. Don't leave the house, Niku. Like, be quiet. But Niku's been like quiet about his double life this whole time. <laughs> I didn't think you were going there with that. <laughs> and he's just like sitting there like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Like super exaggerated in him being, I'm yeah. so quiet. I'm so yeah. quiet. 
<laughs> so he's like, you you people don't even know what I've been quiet about. Anyway. You, you don't even know. Anything else you want to say before we close out? Still loving Resistance. Still loving Star Wars. <laughs> it's a really good parting shot. Anything you want to say? <laughs> no, that's it. it. I, you know, I just, before we go, and in a less jokey sense, I really want to see more of Yeager. Mm-hmm. I watched the right stuff um, recently because the character's name is Yeager. Some Lucasfilm execs were tweet- tweeting about how um, the right stuff like heavily inspired um, resistance. And I am desperate to learn more about Yeager because I want to make the connection between the Yeager and the right stuff and in um, <laughs> this TV show. And Charlotte wants another I, deep cut reference. She can <laughs> well, this is not that deep show. cut when not when the story cut. group tweets about it. But I I just like I, I have a lot of theories, but I just haven't been able to talk about them because we haven't seen Yeager for like four episodes. Really, like have his like deep moments, you know. Um, ever since we were in his office, I think that he had some good lines in this um, this episode. I really like his character, but I'm eager to learn more about Yeager. <laughs> Eager for more Yeager. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he he was really good in this episode. Like him on the speeder, just like fighting with the with the Kraken Kragen guy. It was it was good. I was like, oh, Yeager got some muscle. Um, that was good because then it made me think of the right stuff. Who Yeager's character <laughs> is? Yeah. Well, Yeager's character is the best pilot. Um, but he doesn't make it to the astronaut program. And it's like this disappointing thing that he kind of never bounces back from because he's like a relic of an old time. And I can, I really feel like you see that in his, in Yeager's character in Resistance. Um, there's like a parallelism going on there, um, which is, I think, obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And clear. It, but seeing him again pilot this, uh, I don't know what you even call that. Was that a swoop bike or something? Not a swoop bike, but like a bike, a flying yeah, bike. Yeah, I, I got a glimpse that, you know, he's a really good pilot. Like, he knows how to maneuver. He knows what he's doing. And um, I want to see that come up again because we've had some things with past characters discuss how he used to be such a great pilot. He only flew once. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I'm really yeah. eager to learn, learn more, more about Yeager. Yeah, I am. I really am. Super <laughs> eager for more Yeager. You should watch the right stuff. It was like one of the best movies I've seen. In yeah, a long I time. will. I need to. Um, I remember when you were telling me about the comparisons between the Yeagers, um, a tale of two Yeagers, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to. Uh, well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. And just a reminder, we will be back in two weeks with Resistance content um, because we will be traveling for the holidays. Well, Charlotte will be, um, and we'll barely be able to watch Resistance. So. <laughs> Barely. In, in between my ties and luaus. Um, <laughs> Catch me watching it on my phone at right the beach. at a luau as, as no, like the pig, literally at the beach, <laughs> like, as the pig's being buried. Yes, <laughs> and you're exactly. Like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> um, but we'll be back. We do have our main show coming out this upcoming weekend. It's a really fun topic that I think you guys are gonna like. So tune in. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or at Caitlin Plusher or at Clarity, also SkyTalkers.com. Um, you can also um, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review if you like what you heard and want to tell more people about us. 
Yes, and I want to thank our amazing patrons, Amy, Joanna, Gina, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Rachel, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, David, Claudia, Larry, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpover, Rue, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Alaya, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Matt, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Derek, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.